Hello, podcast listener. Come on in. I bet you're wondering why you're here. Well, you, dear podcast listener, are dead. But that's okay, because you are listening to this week's episode of Truly Universal, covering NBC's hit comedy, The Good Place. This is because of all the incredible good deeds you have performed on Earth. For the next hour or so, we will talk about Eleanor, Chidi, Tani, and Jason's adventures into the afterlife, as well as the Catholic understanding of death, judgment, heaven, and hell. You know that feeling you get when you see two otters holding hands? Well, that is how you are going to feel as you listen to this podcast. Today, we enter the universe of the good place. This is Truly Universal. Welcome back to Truly Universal, the podcast where we talk about all things Catholic in another universe. Uh, unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you view it, we don't have our regular host today, but this is Mark. I will be your host for today's episode, and we get to talk about uh, a fan favorite of ours, we get to talk about The Good Place. This was on NBC for the past, what? three, four years, and it's been a a fan favorite because it talks about the afterlife and ethics, and it has a really ridiculous plot to it. We got Ian over here. Hello. Yes. We got Matt. Hi. And we got Cam. Hi. So returning fan favorites for this episode, Um, just to begin... This is one of those episodes where we really recommend that you watch The Good Place beforehand, unless you don't mind spoilers, because there's a lot of spoilers here. Seriously, watch the show. Do not. Do not. Even if you are the type of person, because I'm like that sometimes, if this is like, like, if you're the type of person that watches a show with spoilers, like, this show is completely ruined with spoilers. (laughs) So, watch it first. Or do it if you hate yourself. (laughs) <laughs> oh man well, well, yeah, it's out. that's another way oh yeah uh, their first three seasons are on Netflix right now and they were the last season at least a few episodes are on Hulu so go check it out or buy the Blu-ray or, or buy the Blu-ray we're not sponsored but it's just a really great show <laughs> <laughs> alrighty so speaking of spoilers if you were in the fake good place how would an immortal being torture you um, we know in the first episode that Eleanor shows up in a good place, and then they're finding out different ways to torture her. Um, you get that more and more. So I'm going to open it up. How would someone want to torture you if you ended up in the fake good place? 
The good place is fake? What? <laughs> what? You just dropped that? <laughs> yeah, I think that was a season one uh, reveal. Yeah. <laughs> eh, it's okay. We warned you. You were warned. <laughs> but you're here. And it's okay. <laughs> I think for me, uh, the immortal being would torture me by making me feel happy. Because I think, why am I happy? Like, I don't. This is not normal. I don't deserve this. <laughs> now, take that as you will. Don't ask me too much about it. Okay, move on. Please. Someone? Uh, I think for me, I would totally be tortured by being forced to be in a room full of introverts with books. Hey. <laughs> We're just having to read books. I feel like the boredom would just get to me, and I feel like that might just drive me crazy. So that's Wong she chose um library in Avatar. Avatar. <laughs> it's true. Libraries are my bad place. <laughs> we wouldn't be a truly universal episode if we didn't mention another IP outside of what we're talking about. <laughs> Uh, I think for me, uh, my uh, mortal being would torture me by having me realize my greatest joy in life is going to Korean barbecue. But I go to Korean barbecue and I would order, but none of the meat would ever come. Like I would order the sides and they bring out the sides, but none of the meat to grill would come to my table. But dude, that's the worst. I remember getting like so hangry one time when we ended up going to Korean barbecue. That's like the worst feeling ever. On the the waiter would always pass your table. Like, <laughs> yes, and then okay. you keep bugging right. them down. Like, no, the waiter would make eye contact as they pass the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what they would do. <laughs> Nod your way. <laughs> or you go to the fancy Korean barbecue restaurants where they actually have like a buzzer or like a bell or like a light. Yeah. Or and you, they still don't pick it up. <laughs> they they still don't come to your table. Nope. Oh man, I think for me it would be kind of like what we're going through right now, where I'm stuck at home. I can't leave the house for like any reason whatsoever. Not even to like go say hi to people, like or cross the street, or like be able to see what's going on outside. And then you hear about like all the stuff that's going out on in the world, like disease pandemics riots going about and you're like oh dang i can't you don't know if you oh, can dip. leave oh dip <laughs> what shirts going down but i can't i don't know what to do <laughs> it's like a prison um let's get into like the the plot of the good place since we already kind of spoiled part of it um anybody want to go in and just give the viewers a little synopsis about what's going on so the story kind of centers around um, Eleanor, who is admitted into the good place, and then she realizes that she was not supposed to be in the good place, and she strives her hardest to try to um, kind of pass as a good person. Okay, she keeps getting it keeps getting rubbed in by Michael and Janet. Michael is the kind of the the architect for that place, um, and then Janet is kind of like this really powerful personal assistant to Michael. Uh, and really what happens is she starts to realize that other people, they also feel the same way that they are not supposed to be in the good place. And so they're trying to be moral even after having died. And so they try to team up with a philosopher, a guy who's a moral philosopher who, again, no one likes moral philosophers and they, <laughs> he tried to tutor them to be better. And then that's, and then at the end of the, season we learned that it really isn't 
the good place. It was one giant elaborate trick to torture these people. Um, and so he, Michael kind of restarts and he keeps trying and trying and trying and he can't break them. They always end up trying to be more moral or they figure out that it's not like it's, it's a simulation. And so at some point he kind of gives in and he wants to become good too. And then, and then all kinds of fun stuff happens, which ends up leading into like these huge, like, like court battles between is the system rigged? Um, let's fix the system. What do we do here? Um, there's some jaunts on earth. There's some battles between demons and you actually get to finally see the real good place in the end. Uh, but we, we, we can, we can always talk about that a little later, but that's kind of the gist. Yeah, so they the, not nearly as cool as the fake good place. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it, it's so funny because you have the, the our four heroes, Elnor, Chidi, Jason, and Tahani. They they die and then they come back to life and then they die again <laughs> and they re-die. <laughs> I believe like the the show takes a lot of inspiration from the 1944 French play No Exit. Which basically is like the premise of it is that hell is just other people. And like the, the idea is that the main characters were put in the good place, the fake good place, in order to torture each other. Like they reveal what is the worst aspects of each of each other. It's great. I mean, that kind of sounds like, I mean, hell is other people. It sounds like a introverts kind of hell. I, don't know I, I feel like would be okay with that. Like, I don't know. An extra heaven is other right people. Now it's just this. <laughs> I can't even go to talk to people at the grocery store without like a plastic screen in front of me. It's great. See, yeah, that's one of my things as an introvert that I just don't identify with. She talks about like she misses talking to people at the grocery store. I'm like, you talk to people at the you miss that? I talk to people on the streets and I tell them that their dog is cute. Like. I have no fear. <laughs> Everyone is my friend. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> oh God, I'm a stalker. An optimistic way to look at things. Yep. Very, very optimistic. You, you'd make a good candidate for the good place committee, right? Right. Now <laughs> uh, they're all a bunch of pushovers. <laughs> I'm not a pushover. <laughs> She's not. <laughs> Let's get into some of the your favorite moments of the show. There, there's a lot of memorable moments and a crazy cast of characters. Anybody want to want to share their favorite moment? So I think for me, my favorite moment of all time is when Eleanor is getting tutored by Chidi and she goes to the frozen yogurt place and she lets someone cut in, in front of her. And that moment just definitely resonated with me because that's how I am. Like, Matt can attest to this. The first time I met him, I told him, I was like, I don't share. And then one day <laughs> we were eating and I was like, oh, do you want some of my, I think it was like fries. And then as he took the fry, I was like, oh my gosh, I let you take it. I shared. I shared. <laughs> and they made like a huge thing out of it. But yeah, I felt like that was that was a real moment. <laughs> I think we actually mentioned the scene actually on the Animal Crossing episode, which we were both on as well. But yeah, it's like the scene where I was like, why don't you go on, on that? <laughs> I think for me, uh, whenever they got really, really weird into like the metaphysics of the afterlife, like you were, you were seeing like all the corridors they were going through and they were in like weird different dimensions and like cheaty sees the time knife yeah that's, I, I always harp on the time knife it's just a 
like imagine billions of infinite realities folding into an incredibly sharp, infinitely sharp blade. Oh, the time knife. Yeah, everyone's seen the time knife. I saw the time knife. Oh, um, just, just to show how weird things are, and and um, no, I don't believe in it, but I, it's fun. Like it was, it's fun, and also just seeing the the what's it the middle place? No, the medium place. Medium, medium yes. place. Yeah, there's a place in between. Someone had for some reason got the system in such a way that she was um, good and bad. Like it was like completely even. And so, but then, like she's the like a heathen, like it's horrible. And then they they leave. Um, Janet is like kind of like an AI, uh, and then she makes Derek uh, another AI played by Jason Manzukis, and you know that's got to be crazy because it's Jason Manzukis. Uh, and so he kind of is there with her. And it's just a horrible. Really, it's just you know I don't want to go into detail about it. It's just a watch the show, guys. Watch the show, but. It's hilarious. Maximum Derek. Every Mike Show show that uh, Jason Menzukis appears on is just gold. <laughs> it's just hilarious. It's comedy gold. I guess my favorite ones are the ones that involve Jason Mendoza. He's like one of my favorite characters in that show. Um, there was one part where he um, has a test to see if he can go into the real good place. And they put him in a room with nothing but... A, a giant flat screen TV and a game of Madden. And he, he's like so pumped up that he wants to play it. And then he realizes he has to play against his favorite NFL team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. He, he's not only that, but he's playing as the Tennessee Titans. They're like arch rivals, which oh. is, um, but the thing is he's like, so like invested in game into the game that he, doesn't realize that the the point of the test is for him to not play the video game at all. <laughs> he go he, he even oh. confesses to the judge and says like, "Wait, that's why you already knew that I didn't want to play as the Jacksonville or I would hate not playing as the Jacksonville Jaguars because that is the test. And then she goes, yes, that's not a revelation. I clearly told that to you at the very beginning. <laughs> it's like he's in rehab for video games. <laughs> Total withdrawal. Choose. Do you want it one last hit or not? <laughs> it was interesting seeing his family and his friend. I mean, they're all Filipino actors, which is very, very interesting to see uh, yeah. his dad who almost looks like his brother. Um, his best friend, uh, Pillboy. Oh boy, <laughs> by Eugene Cordero. Like, there's oh, some like. So you think there's a, this is like peak. Like, I I didn't know how I felt about that because I was like, okay, it portrays us really interestingly, <laughs> Filipinos in Florida really interestingly, <laughs> but I don't know how much they harp on that. Uh, I just noticed it, but uh, wow. Just a revelation. I would watch a Drake and Josh style show with uh, Manny and Eugene. <laughs> it would be the funniest <laughs> thing. <laughs> I don't think I mentioned, uh, I guess my favorite uh, scene from the show, I guess it's the the one that everyone probably goes to, is like the the revelation that Eleanor has that... The holy mother forking shirt boss moment? Yes, that the, <laughs> the good place is not the good place. It's actually the bad place. But like, why? Why at least for me personally that it was such a big deal to me is I remember watching this show with my brother. Like we were watching it as 
two people going completely blind into the show. And then I was enjoying it and I thought it was funny, but I was like, it's all right. I'm like, I used to think like, oh, like, because I understood the premise, it's like, oh, Eleanor's trying to be a good person. And then every episode, oh, like, Chidi's going to teach her a new thing about ethics or philosophy. And she's like, going to become slightly better. But like, all the time, she's going to like almost get caught. But she doesn't get caught. And then I just thought that was going to be the formula for like... Like very, very episodic kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, very you know? episodic. Very like, oh, it's like kind of like Boy Meets World, kind of like Full House. Oh, we this is the lesson of the week. And then we get to like near the end of season one and everything starts going crazy. And I'm just like, what is this show becoming? <laughs> and then they realize that. And then when they reveal that, all of that ends. No more episode. Well, they still have lessons, but it's just like that formula that you're in your mind that you think the show is going to be, you realize the show is something so much more. Can we just go back to the idea that even Jason figured out in one of the reboots <laughs> that they were in the bad place? For me, I was just like, man, Michael, you suck at your job. Are you sure you should be an architect? Come on, Jason figured it out. <laughs> he also figured it out at the very beginning. Um, so um, like episode two, um, Eleanor finds out that John Yu, the who he thought was a Titan Woody's Buddhist monk is actually Jason, a dirtbag from Florida. And he's Filipino. That's racist. <laughs> Heaven is so racist. Oh, dip a ghost racist. <laughs> but it's it's funny too because he he he's like so paranoid that he thinks that um they're either in an alien zoo or on a prank show. And then at the end, at the last episode of season one, she goes, oh, dip, Eleanor, I totally called it. I you told on a prank show. <laughs> they just high five. Out of the mouths of babes, wisdom. You know. Throughout the series, Chidi teaches philosophy lessons to the group. And even when they're not in an explicit uh, philosophy lesson, they still learn the lessons of moral and ethics throughout the series. So um, what are some nuggets of wisdom or like moments of learning about morality and ethics throughout the show that really stood out to you? Whenever he mentioned Aquinas, that was just like, Hey, that's my boy Aquinas. <laughs> and that went, um, totally. I mean, they didn't go too far into it though. I, mean, I love how he explained double effect with that. That was great. Um, I think the, the, the meaning, the, the wisdom nugget, I guess we could get is, Really, the show is all about how do you live your life now? Like, it's looking in retrospect. Like, they were all looking in retrospect. But really, our time is our time is now. So, what are we doing? You know, because what do you... The, that whole speech that Chidi does, though, what do we owe each other? You know, we, you know, we belong to one another. Um, what is it that, you know, we need to do for one another? And I think... And the fact that it's now... It's not something to be kind of hypothesized later. It's what are the actions? What are the clear things that we should do? I think for me, it's kind of going off of what Ian was talking about is uh, the what do we owe to each other? I think that's one of the biggest kind of like themes and kind of nuggets of wisdom that come from the show. But I don't know. I I remember like listening to stuff like from the behind the scenes and from like uh, interviews with Mike Sher and he talks about how that one of the things that the show kind of sets out to kind of show is the idea of like, you can be good in a vacuum, but if you're only being good just for your own sake, then it's kind of pointless because 
the idea of like ethics and like being a good person is that it we we owe something to each other like everybody has rights that they're entitled to and we have to our actions should respect those rights or the right of human life you know stuff like that but like the idea that i at least from like an like an introvert's perspective is like i think myself like i've been kind of like in my life i can see times that i feel like i've thought that i could do it on my own like seeking uh morality seeking spirituality on my own and the idea that no you need people and people need you is like something that i sort of gain from that well said i think for me um the kind of nugget of wisdom i got from it was when michael was talking about how like humans um are a little bit sad all the time because they know they're gonna die but on the other hand, um, it's okay because like that knowledge is what gives life meaning. I don't know why, but that always kind of stuck out to me because if you think about it, if you're just kind of living for the next day, you're not really getting anything out of life. You're just kind of like, you're just kind of going through the motions. But the idea, at least in a Catholic sense, right, of knowing that you're going to die means that you have the chance to experience a greater joy to be in heaven, to be reunited with the father. And I feel like that, even though it wasn't meant to be um, like the spiritual revelation, I don't know. It kind of stuck with me that way. Yeah. Well, it ends up hitting Michael pretty hard too, because remember when the episode, when they're trying to get Michael to their ethics classes, but he's just not getting it. Um, they presented him the they presented him the trolley problem, and he thinks, "Oh, the problem is how to kill all six of them." Yeah, if you think about it, Michael was a human would be really good at bowling. I forgot. Can I change my answer? My favorite thing in the series: teaching a demon ethics. That's hilarious. We get a rundown. What was the uh, what is the trolley problem? Can someone summarize that? So the trolley problem is. You're on a trolley, and it's 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 speeding down. Um, so there are five people on the track that if you go if you go the straight in the course, or there's the one person if you move over to the other track, and you're left with is one life better than five? Who should I save? Um, is it worth? Um, what do you end up doing in that situation? Because you have to choose between two distinct choices. And they involve the loss of life either way. <laughs> Neither, because none of them moved. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, that's my number one. That's my number one criticism of the trolley problem. It's like, okay, whether it's five or one, the one person didn't think of it. Maybe the they're tied to it. The five couldn't collaborate to think of moving. Like, if they're tied to the track, you're telling me one of them couldn't untie themselves. That leads into like <laughs> oh, one of the biggest parts about the trolley problem is like there are variations to this, and it's like do they change the outcome? Like, okay, if it's five people on one side, but what if it's one person you know personally on the other side? Like, what if it was Mark on the other side and I had to decide between killing five people and Mark or Mark? You know? I don't know. Did you have a good day with him or not? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the cool part about The Good Place since you're dealing, you're dealing with supernatural beings. Uh, Michael actually s creates a fake 
trolley problem for them to actually experience. Oh, <laughs> so Chidi has to go and choose. <laughs> One of my favorite things about the trolley problem scene is that they they had like the thing that sprays like fake blood and guts onto William Jackson Harper, and like the props guys, uh, they specifically made it so that it would actually like shoot into his face. And there was, he was just like, am I going to get like, like stuff in my mouth? He was just like, Oh yeah. And then like his reaction to like, up oh, some of the parts of the fake people flew into my mouth. <laughs> like reactions like genuine because <laughs> it's actually happening. <laughs> Which we all learned later was Michael's way of just oh, kind man. of torturing him again. <clears throat> yes. Oh man, he ends up going and switching switches the problem around to what if instead it wasn't just a trolley, it was you're a doctor and you had the choice between saving all these kids' lives versus taking out the heart of from one person and using his using his organs to be able to save them, but you end up killing the other person. So it's like, what do you do? And it kind of it just shows not only just how where all the the places the trolley problem goes into, but it also goes into just how much of Michael just wants to mess with Chidi. <laughs> now with that one, he was very decisive. He is, Chidi is a Kantian. He's a, he believes in duty. So he has a duty as a doctor not to harm. So he won't, you know, just to save five, he will not sacrifice one. So quick thing, plot wise, Chidi's incredibly indecisive and that's what kind of lands him in the, in the fake good place. In fact, his indecision caused his own death. He just couldn't stop agonizing over decisions, which I kind of feel for him as a <laughs> philosopher okay. myself. Yeah, no one likes morality people. and ethics teacher. So we just don't like Kantians, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's just well. It's kind of poetic, too, how each of the characters die is like a symbol of like how they live their life and how bad they were. Because you had Jason who was trying to rob a, was it, was it a bank or a pizza parlor? It was like a Mexican, a Mexican <laughs> restaurant. Was it? Yeah, Mexican restaurant. In a safe. And he was trapped in there because he's, he's just so impulsive. He's like, oh, we got to steal money. Let's go steal this steal money from this Mexican restaurant. Oh, let's pretend we're in a safe. Oh, let's pretend we're, we're here to repair the safe. But then to um, install and, and repair said safe. Yes. And he's he's in there. He thinks that, oh, what what kind of things will help me breathe? Oh, it's a snorkel. Snorkels will work, and also whippets will help. So he goes into the safe with whippets and snorkel, thinking, "Oh, that's gonna help me out," and he suffocates to death inside the safe. Uh, what are the other ways the, our other characters met their demise? Well, Eleanor meets her fate because, like, she's very self-absorbed. Like, she's very like a lone wolf kind of character. Not okay. Lone wolf is more accurate than self-absorbed, but well, okay. Kind of. But. She's both. Really. She's both. <laughs> but like, she's a character that definitely, like, she doesn't, she pushes people out of her life because she, she would rather be alone. Like, okay, deep down, she doesn't want to be alone, but like, she's had bad experiences with people that she would rather keep them at an arm's length. And when she encounters someone who is talking about, like, doing something for, for the environment, she basically, like, uh, tells them off. And then by telling him off, she, like, drops some margarita mix, and then she said, by, like, Shopping carts. A bunch of shopping carts, right? And then a, a truck, right? Yes. A truck. Yes. yes. So, but like, 
yeah so like hers was like because she was being it's like we don't believe in karma but it's like it was like that she, because she did that that action then she better have made after but. you have uh tahani al jamil who uh her parents had kind of um pitted her and camilla her sister in constant competition um <clears throat> just to one up each other on all kinds of you know she's a socialite a lot of money and and i guess there was a party celebrating camilla and she she wants to tear down the idol of there's a giant statue of camilla <laughs> and in rage she tries to tear it down and it falls on her so you know <laughs> on the subject of Tahani, yeah, I just love that she names drops all these real celebrities in real life. <laughs> Favorite thing about her. <laughs> Literally knows everyone. <laughs> Going back to her death, though, it's funny because Michael reveals that moment to her, and she ends up saying, I died in Cleveland. <laughs> And then Michael goes, I don't think that's what you were supposed to get after seeing your death. Hey, you know what? For her, that's a pretty bad. That's worse. <laughs> At least for her, like, if she died by tearing down the statue of her sister, okay, it makes sense. But come on, Cleveland? <laughs> I don't know. I think Chidi's death is the greatest one to me because out of everything that could have fallen on him, it's an air conditioner. And part of me is just like, Okay, he couldn't decide where to eat. But man, I have that problem all the time. <laughs> it's like, am I going to get hit with an air conditioner? I don't know. Maybe. My favorite thing about that is like, isn't it in a previous scene, he he's the one who caused the, the air conditioner. Like he hits it with something or something. Something hits it, but oh, it's yeah, because yeah. they're in the room. And it falls from the room they were in. <laughs> yep. Because he couldn't, he couldn't chill. I could never make decide a where to eat, though. He needs to cool down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Makes me and look up. Like, are you sure? How about now? Air conditioner? Heater? <laughs> Maybe? <laughs> oh, man. Taco Bell sombrero? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, let, let's, let's dive deeper into the whole system of the afterlife that we got here. So we have the good place and the bad place. If you end up in the good place, um, you get to experience a wonderful afterlife. Or if you end up in the bad place, you end up being tortured by demons who will create all sorts of terrible ways to torture you for, for all eternity. Um, how do we reconcile the system of the afterlife portrayed in the good place um, with the Catholic understanding of the afterlife. This is this is going to be fun, folks. <laughs> well, as Catholics, we believe in the four last things. Death, judgment, heaven, and hell. So yes, there's a heaven. Yes, there's a hell. When you die, you have your particular judgment before the throne of God. And then at the very end of time, there's the last judgment, where the whole universe is judged cosmically to show God's glory, to reveal his hand in all things. Um, but heaven is a permanent thing. Big, big spoiler. I'm going to tell you now, right now, big spoiler. Uh, when they get to the good place, they get bored. It's just happiness all the time. And so the way to make the good place more spicy, more satisfying, is they chose to make a doorway where you could annihilate yourself. Um, and somehow it turn into okay. energy. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I, 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 well, I know I get it. I, I, I mean that I, I can't necessarily uh, agree with that. That's kind of like more Buddhist in sentiment 
than a Christian understanding. In fact, in, in, in some way, constantly finding out that you're in the bad place and trying to work yourself to be better is more like can kind of be paralleled to purgatory, right? Because our moral development might not be complete after death. So we can continue to be purified of our sins after death um, and become better so that because nothing unclean can enter into heaven. Uh, but heaven is where we stay because, well, <laughs> I, uh, I, I actually got really angry at the last episode. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I was so almost angry. as angry as Michael trying to go through the door himself and realizing he can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, I, I kind of feel you though on the whole. If we view the the whole afterlife as you repeating, um, going through different reboots, trying to get yourself better as a kind of purgatory, because oftentimes we we get like images of what purgatory is like, where it's like, oh, it's like a sp- it could be everything from like a spiritual washing. There's like the traditional image of like a refiner's fire, where like gold's being um, whittled away, purified before it can shine as the as the pure metal it is. But how does that work really? M- morally other than you think that oh they're just gonna like put you under like fire for a little bit like you're still on fire but to see how that plays out where you're actually trying to like going through different scenarios in your life so that you're you can be able to make those moral and ethical choices is quite poetic yeah i think kind of just to add on that i think like yeah i kind of saw the um new bad place as kind of like purgatory because I saw it in the sense of like, oh, you're being purified of like your imperfections in the sense it's like you're giving those, you're given extra chances in a way, quote, quote, chances to kind of, yeah, be a better you and to fix what you may have done wrong on earth, you know, because if it's the idea that you go to heaven once you're, once you're purified and once you're cleaned, like that's how you enter into heaven it's the fact that they're still stuck. Even if they died, they're still stuck with all the things that they did on earth. If that makes sense. Like they don't just die. And all of a sudden everything is just like, Oh, everything's resolved. It's kind of like, they still have things that's left to do. Yeah. I agree with that sort of idea that the, of the good place. Uh, One of the things that I think is interesting but it's not actually my own answer, but I think it's worth mentioning, is that uh, we've discussed kind of these ideas with our usual host, Rens, before, and he had this idea that I thought was really interesting, and since he's not here, then I will uh, say it here. Rens mentioned the idea that uh, it could be also be like a cleansing because uh, one of the, thing, the issues with the uh, actual good place is that, oh, like, people get bored of it, but it's also a place that they do all of their sort of like desires, like the desires that they weren't able to do on earth, like travel or like go go karting with monkeys if you're Jason <laughs> or like to get it all out of your system. But like the idea that maybe this is the stop before being able to go through the door and maybe going through the door is being able to actually go to heaven because by going to heaven, we we don't have those worldly desires anymore. So maybe it's like a, a stop to also get all of those worldly desires out of us so that we get all that we need is Christ, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that makes sense because at the end of the day, like Christ is like who we desire to be with, you know, like everything else worldly, worldly. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like I love sprinkles, you know, but sprinkles isn't like a comparison to Christ, you know? <laughs> Wait, sprinkles the penguin or sprinkles the one you get on top of your ice cream? Stop crossing <laughs> IPs. <laughs> the one on top of ice cream. <laughs> Only the rainbow type. We don't compare with chocolate sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> I think if anything, it taught me just kind of seeing their portrayal of quote unquote, the good place is the good place without God makes no sense. Like they're stuck in a long time. That's one, that's a huge, like not huge, but that's a critique I hear from like, you know, high school students who are like, well, if heaven is just, you know, a really long time when you're just kind of being good. Isn't that hella boring? I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Like you thought <laughs> Jesus's bones were somewhere on the earth. Get out of my face. Um, I, sorry, that was a real story. This was me as a biology teacher. I was very, anyway, but heaven, you don't experience time like that, like a sequence of seconds. You experience time all at once. Eternity is all time simultaneous. So time doesn't pass. You live in the eternal moment. And then it's like the word for that is kairos, like, uh, or God time or the perfect moment. Like there's certain moments where the passing of the seconds on a clock don't make sense. Like, I think we've all kind of experienced something like that, uh, you know, on, either on retreats or um, when I first had my, uh, when I first had Shake Shack, and I bit into it. <laughs> and I was like, thinking, this right? is Kairos time. <laughs> I feel like I need to try Shake Shack. <laughs> Gotta go to the East Coast. I think there's one here. But anyway, yeah. sorry. Let's, let's, no, no, it's not. Oh, wait. You're right. You're right. You're right. COVID, y'all. COVID. <laughs> you're right. I'm but not traveling to the East Coast. What you described is very similar to how Janet describes how she uh, experiences time, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so. That she experiences all time at once. But even though she's not the God figure of this universe, but she ends up experiencing, like, having, like, all knowing and, like, some like pretty credible powers yet she's able to experience all time as in like at once which when yeah when that came up i was like wow that's a that's really close really enough to what we're going for so yeah anyway it, but they gave it to the anthropomorphized vessel of knowledge not a girl and not i, a I girl. think derek in his most recent form also has this power <laughs> Maximum Derek. Oh, no. He's terrifying. That CG's terrifying. Okay, I honestly, unpopular opinion, I was not a big fan of Derek, but then the more that he transformed, I was like, I'm terrified of you. I'm weirded out, but now I'm starting to like you. <laughs> yeah, he starts out as like some like really like messy, like what, 20, 30 something year old. Um, with like, like 30, with crazy hair coming out he everywhere. Like caveman from those old Geico commercials. Yeah, like like that, except dressed <laughs> up. And then he comes he, he he comes in with a tuxedo next time you see him, and he's drinking martinis, which get progressively worse. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. at first, it's like a martini of just like olives, yeah. and then it becomes like it becomes like scrabble letters or like a full onion. <laughs> And then in his final form, he's like a floating head and his eyes are white and he's like, he knows all things. He is like the epitome of evolution. 
and then they still somehow kill him. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, good but not great. <laughs> they reboot him. No, but they don't die. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a reboot. Yeah. We have so many different immortal beings appearing in this show. How do we see them as having souls, like Michael or Janet or Derek, even? Yeah, they got souls. Demons of souls. Uh, they're, they're demonic souls. Um, Derek and Janet are interesting. Um, but, like, they, they, they develop more as they go, which is as if the... But, like, you know, for us Catholics, the soul is not a thing that develops or evolves. It was created by God right there and then. Um, but I guess, I don't know. I don't know. They're so close to living. It was kind of scary the whole time. It was like that, what's that one test we talked about in the AI episode? The Turing test, right? When, like, we get so close to, like, being human, it's kind of creepy. The uncanny valley kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So... Janet, she, she, I love because Janet was always like, not human. Again, not human. Like, they always say, like, hey, you're just like, nope, not a human. Like, she always had to, like, put that little dig in there, um, which kind of points us to thinking maybe, you know, she doesn't have a soul, but I think she does have a soul of some kind. It's just different rules. Yeah. And what do you all think? I think it's interesting that we have them develop over time because at least when we're looking at the traditional understanding where human beings still ha have like their mortal life to be able to grow and develop before they end up going into um, facing judgment to heaven or hell. Whereas we're, we traditionally see like the angels and demons only having like, they've made their choice and they're, they've made that one choice forever. Um, we, we, we have the story in revelation where um, I think it's revelation where a third of the angels fell when they, when they, when Lucifer end up saying he'll not serve the Lord after um, learning of the the plan for creating humanity, and having Christ being coming down to be to redeem them, so um, yeah, they, yeah um, that, there was no possibility of redemption for them. Yeah, that last bit um, is part of our tradition in a sense, and it's not necessarily in the scripture, but yes, it does speak of a third of the the the, the dragon like hits tail and. And took down a third of the stars in the sky. And so, yes, did a lot of other angels fell with him. Um, and we hold as pious tradition that when shown the plan, he's like, I will not serve. He said, God, why don't you take my form? Like, it's like, okay, Satan, a little, oh, sorry, I wouldn't call him Satan by then. Okay, Lucy, come on, Lucy, what, <laughs> what are you doing? Actually, I shouldn't be so flippant with, oh, okay, anyway. <laughs> One arrogant person. <laughs> so arrogant. <laughs> Let's talk about how they portray the point system and how does that compare and contrast with how the Catholic understanding of our morality works. So the good place and the bad place has a point system which determines your fate, whether or not you're, you're deemed worthy enough to go into the good place or the bad place. There's an accountant that's in the neutral zone in between the good place and the bad place counting every mo uh, every single good or bad action you do and that becomes a tally the point total ends up determining your fate now how does that compare and contrast with how we understand how morality is i think at least what i think is that 
I'm going to pull from the Full Metal Alchemist episode because I guess that's where I'm drawing this answer from. But I think it's like when you put it in terms of the good place, it's just like it's a tally system, basically, right? It's just like you you did a bad thing. Oh, there's a mark there. Oh, if you did a good thing, there's a mark there. And then they they have values for each action and they're more than just one tally. They're like blah, blah amount of points for doing this good or bad action. But like what I think what it comes down to is what it really lacks is like there's no relationship with someone. It's just like, oh, like it's just numbers. It's exactly like how they describe it. It's accounting. (laughs) And I think that's Nobody likes accountants. (laughs) Because when we think of sin, I feel like a lot of people have the perception that it's like that. Like if I do enough good to offset my bad, then I'll get into heaven. But it's more than that. It's like you have a relationship with God, with our creator. And when we turn away from him, when we sin, we are harming that relationship. And what we do in our life is trying to create that perfect relationship and also to to heal the relationship in the places that it falters. And when it's put down to just kind of accounting, then then who is it for other than just myself? Yeah, I think also the point system is flawed because it's it looks at everything so flat. So I guess like a good example is, um, let's say it's like donating um, – giving food to a homeless person, right? So if a person is pretty well off and they go to Taco Bell and get them like a $1 burrito, and let's say that's worth 3.6 points, like it kind of takes away the factor of like, okay, if a person, let's say, doesn't have a lot to their name, but then is doing it out of their own generosity and there's that, there's that sacrifice, like to give that person let's say another $1 burrito and that's all they have, it makes it so flat to compare and be like, okay, well, it kind of takes away um, like opportunity and access. So if it's like, oh, you have to do all these good things, like buying, like I think one of the examples they use in the show is like, oh, like buying something that was like organic, right? It was like, okay, well, you would only really have that access to it if someone near you sells organic food. I mean, I don't know. I know Walmart sells organic food, but. Come on. You'd like, Dollar, like Dollar Tree doesn't care about that. <laughs> You'd be like Doug. You just grow your own lentil. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Gosh, no, no, not him. Question, that episode made me question all liquids. I was like, I no, no, I don't care if it's filtered. No, mm, no, it has passed through you. Once is enough. <laughs> too, too many. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> For those of you Did who you don't know what we're talking about. That? <laughs> they found um, in in the afterlife, there's a guy on Earth who attained this huge reputation of being like the most perfect guy in the point system. And uh, they went to interview him, and he's incredibly... In Calgary. In Calgary. Canada. In Canada. Guy turned out to be, a, uh, well, he he's like sustainable to a fault, grows his own lentils, all he eats is lentils drinks water which has gone through him so he yeah he purifies his own urine for that um we find that out because he gives water to michael and janet who are posing as reporters and it's like oh what a what an interesting aftertaste this is what what is that it's like so is it from a nearby river or lake no 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 i I can't do that i I, it's it's from it's from me (laughs) i was like oh um (laughs) 
he like, taking it from a river would be taking it away from the wildlife and fishes. <laughs> he, he accidentally kills a snail, and he he walks all the way to like the gastropod, like um, some organization to donate money for the snail's life. Um, and and then when they go back, they they look at the, his accounting sheet, and the guy is still not able to make it to the good place relative to when he'll die. So they realize the system's rigged. Okay. Um, what happens is the points are harder to gain. There's just too many complexities in the system. Um, and I think, well, I actually think that's a kind of a, it's so hard to be a moral person in this world. Sometimes there's so many pitfalls. There's so many things that kind of jump out at you that you, you don't know about like, like fast fashion industry, for example, and how that can be horrible for the environment. Um, or or just a variety of like structural sins we call them structural sins so you know the church has written about racism or you know just anything that oppresses the poor um you know and we we kind of play into these systems so much how you know it's hard to extricate yourself from it so i like what matt said earlier about the point system is flawed because it again there's no god there's no relationship and then and and, and kind of further from that there is no opportunity for grace um no jesus no nothing to kind of save you because we can't be good on our own we can't do it um and jesus does it in us um with his own power with his own spirit which we celebrated uh just a few days ago at pentecost not a few days ago uh just yesterday um at the time of that this recording yes at the time of this recording yesterday (laughs) so uh, we Time need grace. In quarantine. <laughs> yeah, we're in, still in quarantine tide, people. <laughs> quarantine tide. Oh, man. Yeah, going off of that, too, because there's no relationship, there's no there's no one there to be able to intervene for you. You're just left at looking at the endless stream of, like, philosophers and self-help to be able to, like, try to be good. And... You you look at the example of Chidi who spends his whole life studying philosophy, but he ends up uh, that ends up becoming his own undoing because he ends up just being trapped in indecision. <laughs> so there ends up being a flaw to that. Where if there's nothing there to be able to push you in the right direction, like even more than what Michael's push is, then you're you're kind of s- stuck, like trying to find your own way. Yeah, because then your only motivation for being good is basically like the namesake of saying, oh, I did something good. Like there's no there's no additional push for you to be good because if there's no relationship and there's no God, then you're just being good like in relative to other things. Or you're good like Brett, where he thinks that there's a best place, <laughs> and he he's, he's go, trying to go there because he just wants to show off and be prideful, like oh I'm the better than everyone. <laughs> Wait, so there's not? Oh, <laughs> but that's where they keep the good desserts. <laughs> Brett's an interesting character too, where he kind of demon he his example of like kind of perfectly shows how the, the new bad to good good place works in the end because just like right in the final episode you see him being explained to like all the stuff that he did wrong in that reboot <laughs> and then he's like oh man you you want me to go through this again <laughs> you mean i can't do that 
Fun fact, Brett almost didn't make it into the final episode. They threw it in at the last minute. <laughs> okay, he doesn't know better. Let's, let's cut him some slack, okay? okay? Let's cut him some slack. He's not a bad person. He's just so, selfish. All right. Let, let's go jump on to the, our cheaty bandwagon here. Um, which philosophers do we think are important for us to look at from a Catholic perspective? Um, in order to to learn from for morality and ethics, um, we 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 listen to Chi explain a lot about different philosophies throughout the the series, and we we hear lots of lessons from from them. So, or what what philosophers do we think outside of their the the range of the show, but that's still kind of going off of it, would be good for us to look to. I feel like um fuck I'm just gonna keep beating a dead horse, man. Aquinas, baby. We gotta go. <laughs> um well Aquinas, Augustine, um, Aristotle kind of talks about virtue uh, ethics. Um I would even say looking at um even looking a little bit at some of the ethics from the like Confucianism from the East, like the importance of order. Um just the nature of like Let's see anyone recent. Would I recommend anyone recent? I don't know. I hate I hate modernism. <laughs> there's, like, there's, there's the big the big three in in modern um, ethics is uh, Kant. So deontology, like you have duties to fulfill and you cannot break those. Um, then you have utilitarianism, which measures things well more widely. Consequentialism, which measures things by the outcome. And then virtue ethics, which has kind of been revived from Aristotle. And I would kind of go with the virtue ethics part. I mean, just being, you know, a person who emphasizes the Catholic faith, emphasizes that and these virtues are things that Aristotle might have discovered them, but Jesus brings to its fullness. Like, um, I mean, the church still honored the four cardinal virtues that were discovered by early Greek philosophers. That they were Peter Crave calls that the grammar of uh, moral living, and then Jesus brought the poetry with faith, hope, and love, and how you know this this development of the person, and and later on virtuous communities, virtuous societies, virtuous worlds, um, we become more and more the kind of people that would in that would be ready for heaven. That. Um, I think that like consequentialism and and deontology are lacking. Like they they only focus on one thing or the other. Why can't it be both? Why can't it be personal? Why can't it be with God? And so, those are my thoughts. Take them as you will. I mean, it's it's very interesting that we're, we we look at Aquinas because we we see a direct link to like Aristotle and Plato and that tradition too. And um, there's a lot going on there about like how, because he integrates it so well with how to be good is deeply connected with how um, the the nature of God and being able to live that life. Um, that's why in the, the Summa ends up being such, so, such an integrated piece in his moral philosophy. And that's why, like for for centuries, you had so many philosophers in the Catholic tradition 
um, they're they're part of that scholastic tradition, like drawing from like a strong emphasis on the philosophical side. Um, we see a revival in these days of like turning to like the the church fathers and patristics, uh, emphasis on like looking back at the the scriptural text and the mysticism that's drawn there. But we have that whole intelligent like academic tradition in the church too. So it ends up becoming this both end. Exactly. We have, it's a very robust tradition and people forget that. They kind of think that religion is a thing of the past. And I'm telling you, it's a thing that will not go away. It's eternal. Amen. I think, I don't know if this answers the question properly, but like, I think who we can turn to is the community of saints. Like we have plenty of saints whose lives we can model our life after if we place them into the good place the, 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 like they're that universe they're the people that made it in right <laughs> like we know the people that made it sure there's people who made it in that we don't know with that same certainty but we know they made it in. so modeling our lives the same way they did yeah i think for me i kind of think of like saint augustine because he lived a very like worldly life he had worldly desires he partied and drank and he did all these things but like he was still given like the graces to have that conversion and i feel like that's an important part of it too because if we just believe that like oh we're bad people and like you know that like hell's what we deserve and so on and so on like if we just go through that and we just look at ourselves in such a bad light we don't think that we can receive like god's graces we totally eliminate the idea of like trying to be good and trying to get into heaven and so on yes we love the the saint augustines the uh saint paul's the saint francis's we just like love a good redemption story (laughs) (laughs) and that ends up bringing back like to bring it back to the first season elnor talks to them about how michael tries to set set it up to for them to torture each other but in the end they end up helping each other and that's one of the biggest things that we could take from that with how we view like the church and this community of saints that in order for you to be able to like to learn how to be good it comes from community it comes living with them like even though like the, the ending draws a lot from like sarts no exit where hell is over people it ends up showing that like redemption comes through being able to deal with people, even though you may like see someone at, at the street who like you really don't like, um, or like dealing with like 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 with the people in your own home with your family and friends, that ends up becoming the moments where you're you're drawn out of yourself to be able to try to help the other per- to to help the per- other person, and to be able to get closer to living that good life. Yeah, take that no exit. Metanoia is other people. I think this is a sign that introverts should go out and people more. I think that's what I've taken from that. I, no, I don't want to. <laughs> you can't be a monk like Jason. <laughs> All right. So um, what about the people in the good place? And how does that work with how we view like who's in heaven. What does our tradition say about that compared to how the good place portrays 
who's in heaven or who's in the good place. Well, first off, the good place had it wrong and said that um, Aquinas had to keep going through more multiple bad places to get to the good place. Um, <laughs> you see that the last episode where Cheetah gets super hyped that he finally made it through. Yes! Come on. Like, <laughs> so we have the saints, guys, people that we publicly you know, acknowledge are in heaven. And then I think there are many people who are in heaven that we don't know about. We celebrate them on All Saints Day. And that's the kind of hope, though, that through our actions that we would want to bring others to there as well. We don't just dwell into that despair. All righty. Well, we're, we're about that time. So in the tradition of the Good Place, the podcast, I thought it would be nice to like ask, what's good? Rainbow sprinkles. No, wait, desserts. Desserts with rainbow sprinkles. <laughs> you answered that very quickly. <laughs> no hesitation. What is good? Not being bad? Yes. <laughs> like chocolate sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I just, we, I, you go back to your old youth group days. You know, God's good. All the time, all the time. All the time. You know, God, God is, good. is good. He is the good. Like, what What else is there? As St. Paul would write, I count everything else as trash. He didn't use the word trash. He used something else. <laughs> but I'm not sure. going to go into it. As St. Paul writes, I count everything as loss. Or another translation is trash or garbage. Uh, except for sure. knowing my Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Mark, we're not going to go into that. <laughs> like, <laughs> Let's see. Um, I think, well, I mean, yeah, God is good all the time. And even though we're stuck all at home because of the shelter in place, would Lord knows what's happening outside. At least we're here and we're safe. And even though, I mean, for a bunch of us, we're longing to be able to, like, go see our friends again and to be able to, like, interact with people other than inside of our houses and go to target in peace sorry i'm really triggered right now <laughs> <laughs> or be able to like go to like father Raj's parish to be able to like um have like ha actually have mass and like receive the eucharist and stuff mm -hmm. to be able to like knowing that we have hope in the lord that it will make it through that's what's good the the blessed hope as we call it in the mass i want to say uh Supporting Catholic creators is good because by listening to this podcast, I think that you, the listener, are doing that right now. And we would like to thank you for listening. You're good, but sprinkles are great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our episode of The Good Place. Um, of truly universal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we do this every week. <laughs> Not our show. This is our show. <laughs> Thank you once again for listening to our episode of Truly Universal on The Good Place. Um, we hope you listen to our future episodes. We should be coming up with a listener special. Just check out our social media. Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast. And... Yeah, just let us know what you think about The Good Place. Um, until then, I'm Mark. I'm Ian. I'm Matt. And I'm Cam. And thank you very much.
Truly Universal is a production of Urban Picks, All Things to All. Theme song by Demi Guevara. Audio production by Ethan Coe. Outro song by Chris Kabilis. You can find all of our content on our website, www.urbanpicks.com slash trulyuniversal. Please like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to contact us, shoot us an email at trulyuniversal at urbanpicks.com or find us on Instagram and Twitter at urbanpicks. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next time.